Today is indeed a, a special day, and uh, we just got some things going on here, and uh, a lot of uh, emotion. I've got my son who's somewhere running the camera, maybe. I don't know where he's at, you know, but he may be in the, in the camera room, okay? You know, his birthday today at 14, and, um, and uh, you know, yeah, you know, when we started the church, we started it on his birthday, and what were, you know, so, poor kid. Um, so, uh, but we're just, uh, uh, we're just glad, to, you know, that God has been with us and, uh, and for us. He's been, been before us, ahead of us, behind us, beside us, within us, just the whole song, the whole thing. And, um, and so we're just, uh, if you're visiting for the first time, this is a different type of service. And so thank you for coming. And, um, and I'm so glad that you're here, and I, I hope that you'll be inspired by what we'll talk about today. Um, again, if this is your, you know, for all of us, we've got a connection card, take a minute, let us know about your visit with us, and then you can drop it in the basket on your way out. But, um, yeah, so we also got a gift for everybody. Isn't that cool? A little late point knockoff Yeti cup, okay? So, <laughs> great. Um, but, you know, we were supposed to hand it out last year, and last year this was the Sunday that we had to we shut down. So we're here um, with cups from a year ago, and uh, so it didn't even come out of this year's budget. It came out of last year's budget, so it worked out really well for me. So um, anyway, so we're just, uh, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's, I'm trying to get started here, but uh, um, no, we live in Pensacola, Florida, Karen and I, you know, I grew up here. And, uh, and, then, and then Karen and I, uh, I went to Pensacola, Florida, to Bible College. And, um, and that's where I met Karen. I met Karen not at the college. I met her after I graduated from college and um, at, a, at a local church. And um, I was her boss. She was in the daycare. I was the daycare, assistant daycare director of a church daycare. It was, it was a way for me to be on staff, and they couldn't quite pay me full time. So she said, hey, why don't you work in a daycare? And, um, and, and she was, um, uh, she was working there. So, um, and so there, there's a love story that unfolded out of that church and out of that daycare. And, and I was the best boss she ever had. And, um, <laughs> and so anyway, yeah. And so living in Pensacola, Florida, uh, one of the cool things about Pensacola is it's the home of the Blue Angels. I've got a picture of the Blue Angels right up behind me, we got that picture, and uh, that's famous, and and that's where they practice. This is their home base. And, you know, when you first go to Pensacola, you see them kind of flying from a distance, and, and you're kind of like, wow, how cool! You know, it's the Blue Angels, and they fly over your head, and you just pause, and you're looking up, and you just say, I can't believe I live here with the awesome Blue Angel jets, you know, fly over your head you know, half of you. And uh, the other half, they're traveling and, and doing shows. But um, and, and so, it's just, so it was just a neat experience. And then after you lived there a while, you see the blue angels flying over your head, and you start to say, meh. Who cares? It's the blue angel. I mean, they're amazing, right? These things are amazing. But so, yeah, and then and, and someone come and visit me and, and say, oh, Scott, do you see the Blue Angels? Yeah. So <laughs> it's crazy, you know. It, you know, you lived there for so long that you kind of lose the wonder 
of the, of the power of the amazing jets. You know, and then we move away, you know. We move away and, and we live near Selfridge Air Force Base. Right? And, and a couple of years ago, the Blue Angels were in town and they were flying over our house and I was flipping out <laughs> because I hadn't seen them in so long. I mean, it was like, oh, we got to take pictures, right? And Karen and I, we were out there in the front yard taking pictures. They were flying over our house. And I got to thinking about that over the weekend, how sometimes with God, the wonder of God and the power of God and the, and the sovereignty of God that sometimes we just kind of lose the wonder. Kind of say, man, yeah, I know. We sing the songs every Sunday and we just kind of like, yeah, they're just words. Uh, and we kind of lose the wonder. And, and one of the reasons why we do an 11 year or an anniversary service, it's a, you know, for me, it's a memorial to all the great things God has done. It reminds me of the wonder, the journey that God has put us through, not just in my life, but in all of our lives. In fact, when you look throughout the scripture, you see memorials. You know, the first memorial that I can think of was uh, right after the, the flood. And then Noah built a, an altar, with a, a memorial, a reminder. The rainbow was a reminder, a memorial of the greatness of God. You know, when they crossed over the Jordan River, you know, uh, when the Israelites, after 40 years of wandering, they crossed over, and, and God said, I want you to put a memorial right there as a reminder for your generation to come about the greatness of God. And, and, and the anniversary service for us, it's a, it's, a, it's a memorial. I can't think of a better memorial that we're going to celebrate next week where Jesus broke bread in the upper room. It's a memorial of what Jesus did for us on the cross and the blood that was shed. And we're going to do that next week. It's a memorial. It's a reminder of the greatness of our awesome God. I want to look at uh, a, a verse, and I actually want to look at a, a, a verse, and then I want to jump into Isaiah. But in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David is kind of singing a worship song. In fact, David had it. David, King David wanted to build a temple for God. And he had a dream, the vision to, to do this amazing temple. And, and God kind of squashed the dream. He said, David, you're not supposed to build, a, you know, build that temple. In fact, someone else is going to build that temple. Give me your son, Solomon. And, and David, instead of responding with like, ah, oh, man, he responded with a song of praise. And I just want to look at one verse, and this is one of the key verses in my life. Uh, in fact, when I was in Pensacola, I did a singles ministry Every Tuesday night, we had a service, and we actually call it 7.22. We started at 7.22 p.m. It was based on this verse that I'm going to read. It said 2 Samuel 7.22. It said, how great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. And there is no God but you. And every Tuesday night, we came together at 722 
and we worship the greatness of God. There's nobody like the God that we serve. There's nobody like him. That's the message today. There's nobody like God. There's nobody like him. In Isaiah 45, Isaiah chapter 45, we see God himself declaring over six times. Six different times that there's no one like him. God can brag on himself, and that's okay. He's God. God has no ego because he is who he is. And over six times, he makes a declaration of his majesty and power. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5 and 6, God said, I am the Lord, and there is no other. He said, apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its settings, people may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Verse 14, they will bow down before you, and they will plead with you, saying, surely God is with you, and there is no other. There is no other God. Verse 18, for this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but he formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Verse 21, he said, there is no God apart from me. A righteous God and a savior, there is none but me. Verse 22, he said, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. God says, I'm God, and besides me, there's no one like me. The God of the Bible is the same yesterday, it's the same today, and it's the same forever. And every year we take pause to look back at what God does and what he's been doing in our lives. We don't take it for granted what he's done. The church, by the way, is not an organization. It's a living organism. God is working through it for the last 2,000 years. God has been building his church. In Matthew chapter 18, he said that the gates of hell would not stand against, would not conquer against the church. Here's what's good news for me. You know, when I was thinking about this verse, and I actually heard about it from somebody this past week. I was at a conference and made a great thought. And I thought, man, that's powerful. The gates of hell will not conquer the church. And the last time I checked, hell is a whole lot worse than a pandemic. <laughs> the pandemic tried to shut down the churches, but it won't happen. Because even the hell itself will not conquer it. The church is moving. And I don't, I don't ever want us to, meh, to what God is doing. So as we celebrate today, I want us to see three thoughts about the greatness of our God. I hope by the end of today, you'll, you'll see that it's not about me, it's not about Karen, it's not about us, it's not about, hey, great job, God, great job, Karen. I, I hope by the end of this day, you, you'll see how awesome our God is. 
we do this to recognize his greatness. And he alone is worthy of our praise. So I want to look at three thoughts about the greatness of God and to translate and show me different things, not just today for our church, but in your life. All the songs that we sang today, man, you know, the goodness of God and all this. And we're going to see some real great connections here in Isaiah chapter 45 and three great thoughts about how awesome God is. Number one, if you're taking notes, in his foreknowledge, God paved the way. In his foreknowledge, God paves the way for you. We see this in verse number two in that same chapter where God said, I will go before you and I will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and I will cut through the bars of iron. God said, I will take out the things that look impossible to you and I'm going to level it. I will tear down the stronghold. In other words, I, and only God can, pave the way for all of us. And in his foreknowledge, he knows exactly where you need to go, and he will make a path. Before you got up this morning, the foreknowledge of God went before you, and the foreknowledge of God was kicking everything out of the way, and was fixing a path making a path where you today can walk in the power and the presence of Almighty God. He goes before you so that you can come after him. He, he, never, let, he never leaves from behind. He always leaves up in front. And I'm so glad that I don't have to lead the way and tell him to follow me. Now, I think about our church, you know, and how the church started. God was paving the way before 2010, 11 years ago. You know, when Karen and I first got married and, and I was working at a church in Pensacola and the pastor said, hey, God, I want you to go to a conference. I want you to learn some things at that conference for our church. And I said, well, where's the conference? It's in California. And I've never been to California. And I said, okay, I'm going to go to Saddleback Community Church, which is the church uh, the pastor is Rick Warren at a big conference, and, and, uh, and I said, great. And so Karen and I, we drove, well, not drove, we flew, not a long drive, but we flew over to California, and uh, we sat at the, at the massive conference, probably about 3,000 people at the conference. And, uh, and while we're there, I started to network. That's one of the things you do at a conference. You start to connect with people and other pastors and other leaders. And I started meeting some church planters for the very first time in my life. And I started to say, I asked him, I said, you start churches? He said, yeah, we start churches. I said, why? That was my question. Why would you do that? I said, well, you know, new people, not churches. People need church. People need God. I said, but don't we have enough church? There's enough churches around. So, yeah, and they said, no, you know, this is the best way to reach new people for Jesus, you know. And in fact, more churches are closing down than opening. I, said, I was just like, wow, so you start church from nothing? I said, nothing. We just go in, try to find people, and we, we, we get church started. And I walk away, and I thought, man, church planters are the craziest <laughs> bunch of people in my life. They're nuts. I mean, who in their right mind would do that? But little did I know that God 
was paving a way for the crazy guy right here and for the crazy woman to go with him. God was working a path. He was creating a path for us. We didn't leave there and saddle back, you know, thinking, all right, that's what we're doing. But God began to put that seed and over time began to develop. It took, you know, it took six years from 2004 to 2010, but God was paving the way every step of the way in his time. In his time. Bible says in Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. You know what shepherds do? They lead the pack. They lead the flock. He said, I lack nothing. That the shepherd, our Lord, the shepherd of ours, he, he makes us lie down in green meadows. He leads me, he leads us beside the quiet waters. It refreshes our soul. He guides us along the right path. He takes us where we need to go, the right path, for his namesake, not my namesake, not for my glory, but for his. Psalm 37, verse 23, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. See, I'm glad I'm glad that our God has scout the trail. I'm glad that God is our scoutmaster. I'm glad he's the one out front. I'm glad that God is clearing out what the, our spiritual enemy, the devil, tried to put in front of us to trip us. He clears it out. God turns uh, graves. I love this song. He turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into armies. He, he turns seas into highways. Jesus is the hope for all of our lives. He's fixing a path, making a path for a simple man to follow him. Zechariah, I don't have this, the, the, the verses up on the screen, but Zechariah chapter 4, it, it's, a, a, it's an interesting book. Zechariah is a priest who've come back from Babylon, from out of captivity to go back to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is torn down. Remember, the walls are torn down. Remember, a guy named Nehemiah came to fix the walls. But Zechariah had a heart to repair the temple that was torn down. And there was a governor named Zerubbabel. That was his name, Zerubbabel. That was the governor, and God was using that man and God came to Zechariah the priest with a vision. And I love this. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, I'm looking at the New Living Translation. And he said, this is what the Lord said to Zerubbabel. He said, it's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, said the Lord of heaven's armies. God's strength. And then he said this, nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in the rubble's way. It will become a, a level plain before him. And when the rubble set the final stone of the temple in play, the people will shout, may God bless it. May God bless it. 
God was giving Zechariah a vision of what he was going to do. He said, I'm going to pave a way. And at the end of it all, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. So we're not in this alone. God is paving a way. That's how awesome our God is. Even when it seems impossible, he's making a way. We just need to follow him as your shepherd. Number two, as I think about the greatness of God, in his supply, God knows your needs. In his supply, God knows your needs. Verse number three, he said, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel. The, uh, the, the word secret places, I, I find it interesting. From the least expected place is where God will reach in and give to you. Secret places. From the least expected places of your life it's where God shows up and supplies your needs. God said, I'll go where nobody has ever been. I'll get what nobody has ever got. And I'll give it to you what you've never had. What God has called you to do, he already had the check ready. What God is calling you to do, he has already taken care of the needs. In Psalm 50, the Bible says and that our God, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can supply our need. I can remember trying to raise money for the church. In the middle of a recession in 2008, 2009, going around churches, and I had, a, I, I had a pretty big dream, pretty big vision to have 500 people for our very first service. And I was going around telling pastors, that, hey, I need a big check. Different pastors, pa- pastors I've never really met. That's a kind of, you know, word of mouth, and someone say, you know, gave me a reference, said, why don't you talk to the pastor over there, and I go set up a meeting, in fact, I would actually drive across the country. I would tell pastors, and say, I want to meet with you in your office. I'll be there on Monday. I'd get on the road, and I'd drive to Tennessee, and I'd be in his office on Monday. You know, Karen didn't like it that I left the house all the time, but that's what I would do. I would go, and, and for, for about a year and a half, just meeting with pastors all over on the east side of our country, meeting with them. And some of them would laugh me out of the office. I'd say, hey, I need $10,000. I know you have it. <laughs> and they said, really? Well, we're in the middle of a recession. I said, I know, but God is doing something great in the middle of Detroit, and we need to be a part of it. And they said, well, what's your vision? We're going to have 500 people that very first Sunday, and, uh, and we're going to grow a church out of it. And they just kind of laugh at me. Seven of them said, you know what? You're crazy, but here's a check. <laughs> and believe it or not, we raised, and God supplied that very first Sunday, we didn't have 500 people. We had 300. And out of that 300, we started a church. God, God supplies the needs. In 2017, this church, we were portable. Remember this? And I put out a vision. that hey, we've got to find a new home. We've got to find a place permanent at some point. We've got to be ready. I don't have a, a blueprint I don't even have a picture of a building. I don't even have a picture of a property. Here's the vision, and I'm going to tell you a vision. And it's just okay. And we raised 
where we committed $354,000. And we're going to raise that in a year. And in one year, we actually raised $415,000. God took care of this need. And with that, we were able to put the down payment for this place that we're in today. God, God, God is taking care of us. He said, in his supply, God takes care of us. He's got the trail with you on his mind. He's got the trail. He's paving the way. He's paving the way. And he's like, hey, come follow me. And while he's watching to follow him, he's got a pocket full of change, right? He's like, hey, come on, buddy. I've got you taken care of. I've got you taken care of. Just keep walking. Keep walking. As you walk and follow him, he supplies the need that you need to have. And his supplies to take care of our needs. And number three, in his love, God calls you by name. In his love, God calls you by name. Verse number four, he said, for the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name. And I bestow on you a title of honor. And unfortunately, the, the people that God was calling in Isaiah 45 didn't acknowledge him. But God is calling, calling you by name. He knows your name. God knows my name. God is calling us to be a part of what he's doing in the world. That's what we've been doing in the last eight weeks and experiencing God. God's calling you. He's inviting you. He's calling you by name. He's not putting out a sign-up sheet and say, hey, you know, anybody want to help? He's actually inviting you. He's actually shoulder-tapping you. And say, come on, man. Come on, lady. I'm calling you by name. I want, and I want you to be a part of what I am doing. God is using his church to call people to him, to know him, to serve him, to reach others for him. And since late point, started 11 years ago. God has been calling people in this area for his glory. Now, we started Late Point with three families, three core people, three core families. And two of those families have moved on to different places. And in that first year, we, we got a good group of people to follow us and, and to be a part of what God was doing. In fact, I want to recognize those that were a part of our church in that first year. Can you stand up? There you go. Give it up to him. Oh, and I'm sure in the next service we have a few more, but this is, this is what it looks like. You know, they told us, you know, uh, when we first started the church that in the first five years, 80% of the people that you started with would be gone. I was like, nah, that's not going to happen. True. <laughs> <laughs> But God kept calling people, calling people. This year, we're averaging just a little over 500 in weekly attendance in 11 years. Membership started with zero, <laughs> then me and Karen. <laughs> now we have over 455 members. Miss We have given away in mission around the world approximately a half a million dollars in 11 years. We have seen 
almost 200, 194 to be exact, baptized, taking a next step in believers' baptism in 11 years. 400 people have come to know Jesus. 400. You say, Scott, why does that matter? All these numbers. If you want to look at your notes, because this is why it matters. Every number has a name. God knows that name. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. And every story matters to God. God is still calling people. I had a pastor buddy 11 years ago put a Facebook post. He's a pastor now in South Alabama. He said, join me in praying for the deaf shepherd. That was my, uh, that's my Twitter <laughs> name, the deaf shepherd. D-E-F, not D-A-F. You know, like deaf leopard, but deaf shepherd. <laughs> he said, join me in praying for the deaf shepherd in the lost service today in Detroit. He shared that memory today, this morning. He said, 11 years ago, I prayed and asked you to pray for a pastor in a church that was started in the Detroit area. Never would I have imagined that my brother, sister-in-law, nieces, and nephews would move to that area and become a part of that incredible church. We live in a small world, but we worship a huge, huge God. Where's that family at? Over here? Yeah, we say it. Go ahead. Go ahead. There you go. God is still calling people. God is still calling people. And you're not just a number. You have a name. And God knows your name. He knows your story. And you matter to him more than you can ever imagine. And we have the greatest honor in the world to be called by God. I can't wait to see what God's going to do next. I can't wait to see what God is doing. He's not done. He is not finished. I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to check out this video about what God has been doing these last 11 years. And then Pastor Time can come up and close the service. Oh, God, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. None like you. Nobody like you. We couldn't have done this on our own. The church couldn't have happened. In fact, the church for 2,000 years has been a miracle. Because a broken man, we couldn't have done it on our own, but because of your power and your presence. And God, you keep paving the way for all of us for our church, for us individually. God, you keep paving the way. And in your supply, you provide the needs. You, you are, you're there. You're ready for us. We just want to keep following after you. And after, as we follow after you after, you, after you call us to do what you want to do, you will supply what we need to do to do what your will, to do your purpose. And God, you're still calling our names. We're not just done yet. 
long as we're alive, as long as we're breathing, you're calling us to something greater. Not just for our generation, but for the generations and generations and generations to come. And at the end of the day, they're not going to remember my name. They're not going to remember my wife's name. They're not going to remember a hundred years from now, any of us here, but people will still know your name. Because it's not like you. And so God, I pray that we just don't have this attitude of meh. But that we can stand in awe of the wonder and the greatness of you. There is none, nobody, like the God that we serve. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you, Jesus, for the taking care of us the past 11 years, for watching over us, for guiding us, that you are so, so good. God, because of what you did in the past and how faithful you have been in the past, God, we can trust you with our future. We know that you've got it. So God, we ask you to help us as we see this video and see what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.
Lakeside. Wow. Happy anniversary, Lake Point. day of mobile setup at Lake Point. What are you gonna miss the most about this place? This, the setup. What are you No, I won't excited? I will not miss it at all. That's what I'm most excited about. Knock in here at 6.30 in the morning every week, you know? I came here, I'm like, whoa, they do this every Sunday. So I was astonished how they did this. And what I'm looking for the most is the turnkey. Because <laughs> it is a lot of work. Um, but you can, we can reach more people with two services. Just the camaraderie, getting here early. Um, just seeing everyone kind of catching up on how their week went. But also the exercise before and after service. Definitely get a lot of exercise here. So I'll definitely miss that. Um, at the new church, creating an environment where people can grow closer and feel closer to God. And, and so I'm just really excited about the environment that we'll be able to create there. Uh, over almost 475 services we've set up and tear down here at Lutheran High North. Countless of lives that were changed, baptism, family coming together, baby dedication, a lot of awesome outreach events that we've done here. And so I'm gonna miss that the most here. But the thing that I'm looking forward to um, at the new building, it's not so much the building itself, it's the idea that we're gonna have more impact to see more people come to know Christ through a new space. Now moving into a building though, allows us to think in a totally different way, where instead of figuring out like, how are we gonna get it done? How are we gonna get it done? Now we get to think about who are we going to reach for Jesus this week and we get to start thinking about who instead of what and it's incredible you build a building which is a bunch of what questions you have to answer you know what kind of chairs are we going to put in what kind of sound system are we going to have you know who, like what ministry is going to be in what room but we're going to get to pause all of that eventually just to talk about the many who's who are coming there my favorite thing to pray about and just think is that someday I'm going to talk to somebody who walks through our doors for the first time and say, before we ever met you, we were praying for you. Before we ever met you. And they're waiting for us now. So I'm ready to go.
I don't, I don't feel like there's anything more to say other than our God is good. And there were so many people who reached out to us during, uh, during the pandemic, specifically during the lockdown, saying like, well, what's going to happen? You know, what are you guys going to do? And I said, we're going to serve. We're going to be faithful. And we're going to tell everybody that we can about Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to do. And that is the consistent thing that, that I can guarantee you is if Scott and I go for a walk tomorrow and we get totally pancaked, okay? That means the bus comes through and there we go, all right? Do you know what's going to happen the following Sunday at Lake Point Church? Somebody is going to come up here, pick up the Word of God, open it, and proclaim that there is a living God and that you can know Him through Jesus. So all year round... Like, we've had these, these things that I call the stupid mugs, I swear, because you were supposed to get this last year. So for our 10-year anniversary, and we've just been holding it because we knew that we were going to be together again. We knew we were going to be together again. That's why we didn't give them out. And my goodness, every time I forgot a coffee mug in this building, I'm like, I could go steal me. So I took this one, dibs. Okay, please take one of these. And, uh, you know, I, we... But it's just like a little token way of just saying thank you for being part of it. You don't have to be a member here. Just grab one for your family and have it. And if you would, when uh, you fill it up with your warm or cold beverage of choice, um, that you would remember how good our God has been and that he has something to do with you. I love looking at those pictures. You know, I, I wasn't here for a great deal of that. But those people, I'm talking about like guys like Jeremy Parker, especially Jeremy, if you're watching online, currently wearing sandals, I'm sure. This, this guy was, he set up, helped us set up and tear down almost every single service. In fact, our first service here, he drove back in from Tennessee to be here. I mean, I feel like it's not literal, but figuratively, this generation that's currently serving in this role is standing here because of people like Jeremy and people who took those risks. So if you're watching online, anybody who has served in the past, I just want you to know we have not forgotten you. We're grateful for you. And now it's our job to set up the next generation.